0: This morning, I want to talk to you about the title of my message is God and Government. Hey, don't judge me. I'm just a preacher. I'm just a messenger here. God and Government. But if you think I'm afraid, you're thinking wrong. I ain't afraid. Uh, we need God in Government. Government. We gotta, we gotta have. In 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 many circles, God has uh, been shut out. It's kind of like the guy that walked in, the church, and he was kind of a, a homeless person, kind of smelling everything. And, and it's the usher back there I asked him if he would just leave, and and so he was praying after he left the church, and he said, he said man, he said, I just feel, Lord, I just feel bad that, that they didn't invite me in and, and let me be a part of the church. And, and God said, don't feel bad. He said, they did the same thing to me. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, in government, it's kind of like the, there was a, there was a, a, a robber, and he came, come up, and he stuck a gun in a guy's ribs, and he says, give me your money. And the guy says, you can't rob me, I'm I'm a congressman. And the robber said, then give me my money back. (laughs) So in, in Romans chapter 13, it talks about God and government. And there's something that needs to be clarified in the church. We need to get this stuff right. We can't be... Listening to everybody's opinion and man's reasoning when it comes to how we conduct ourselves as believers in Christ. We must know what the word of God says and how to correctly interpret it. Because if we're not careful, there are those who would take scripture out of context to fit their agenda. That's how religions are born, by the way. People say all religions are good. Listen, not all religions are good. The religions that God ordains are the ones that live by and their conducts of the Word of God. To rightly interpret the Word of God. And that's a process, and that's a that's a project to, to, to really understand what the Word of God says. I don't think that any of us have it completely figured out. Now, if you think you got it figured out and everything, you really need to be here today. When Paul wrote Romans chapter 13... Did he have in mind total obedience and surrender to totalitarian government? It's a question. You see, if uh, uh, there's a commentator named Woost that wrote, if the civil power commands us to violate the law of God, we must obey God before man. So listen to this. In, in uh, 2018, CNN, CNN article written by Thomas Weber said this. On March the 21st, 1933, Germany was in turmoil less than two months after the Nazi seizure of power. Even people with pro-regime leanings felt unsure about the draconian measures instituted since the end of January. In this context, the Protestant theologian, Otto Debilius, invoked the Bible passage of Romans chapter 13 to urge Germans to support Hitler. Weber continues to say, throughout the lifetime of the Third Reich, in tens of thousands of sermons up and down the country, pro. Nazi Protestant pastors quoted from Romans chapter 13, the authorities that exist have been established by God. Stay right there. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgments on themselves is what they said. In short, as the Nazi regime imprisoned its, its opponents and wrought havoc across the world. Debilius referenced Protestant theologians, Martin Luther, when he said in his sermon from Reverend Martin Luther, we learned that the church should not be allowed to interfere with legitimate state power. If it does, what it is called to do, Legitimate state power, if it does what it is called to do, even if it turns hard and ruthless. Those were difficult times. And many were deceived in those times to follow, follow the Nazi regime. And they would use scripture to support their sermons. Romans 13 became one of the glues that held the Third Reich together, believe it or not. It's crazy, isn't it? So when Paul wrote Romans chapter 13, did did he have in mind total obedience and surrender to a totalitarian government? It's a good question. And that's the question that I want to answer today. I hope that many of you uh, young people here today, I want to talk to you as well. Because if we're not careful, we will buy into the system of government rather than the God of government. Many unbelievers in recent days have quoted this passage at Christians, telling them to obey government and stop complaining about harsh measures in an attempt to keep us from repeating the mistakes of history. I feel compelled today to clear the air. It may not be quite as an exciting sermon, full disclosure. But I would say to you today that we need more godly politicians. We need you young, some of you young people that are here today, I hope some of this might inspire you to ask God if he would want you to be a politician. You hear a lot of negative things about politicians. There are some good, godly politicians. And I would hope that we would have more good, godly politicians. And perhaps, just like Chance Kearley became a youth pastor at a church, that someone would raise up and become the governor of the state of Texas. Right here in this congregation today. Wouldn't that be sweet? I'm going to be quoting today from different commentaries, so uh, let's get going. Romans chapter 13, (coughs) excuse me, Romans chapter 13 really does tell us to do your best by obeying the law. Sounds reasonable. Verse 1. Chapter 13, let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same, For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscious sake. For because of this you also pay taxes. I knew I wouldn't get a one amen out of that. But it, it is in the Bible. For they are God's ministers attending continually to the very thing. So what do we make of this passage that Paul has written here? Another commentator said this, he said, Paul is not arguing for the divine, listen, this is an important part here, God is not, er, Paul is not arguing for the divine right of kings or for any special form of government, but simply for government and order, nor does he oppose here revolution for a change of government, but he does oppose all lawlessness and disorder. You see, Paul wrote the passage to address civil disobedience. The Jews were notorious. And this is, the, this is back in the context of Paul's writing. The Jews were notoriously rebellious. The zealous, for example, were convinced that there was no king to the Jews but God, and that tribute must be paid to anyone, must not be paid to anybody but God. And the zealots were sworn and pledged to a career of murder and assassination. Their aim was to make any civil government impossible. And they were known as the dagger bearers, much like the Muslim extremists of today. That's what Paul was dealing with, context. Context. So they were fanatical nationalists sworn to terrorist methods. Not only did they use terrorism toward the Roman government, they also wrecked the houses and burned the crops and assassinated the families of their fellow Jews who paid tribute to the Roman government. The first thing Paul tells us here is that governing authorities, authorities, uh, governing authorities exist by God. In various offices of civil authority, the various offices of civil authority are appointed by God. Now get 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 a hold of this. It's the offices of civil authority. Not the individuals of civil authority. Too many times we look at individuals when we read this scripture in this passage. And we see individuals and we say, well God put him there. Or God put her there. What this this passage is talking about it's talking about the office itself to for the good of the nation, for the good of the people, and in other words, of the people, by the people, and for the people under God. the ruler of the people.) <clears throat> So it's easy to view this verse as speaking about the, about the appointment or election of specific individuals, the whole public office, but this is not what this specific text means. Verse 1 is speaking about the institution as a whole, not specific king, ruler, prime minister, president, or governor. Just as certain organizations are considered to be institutions such as schools, Hospitals, the government is an institution, and and mamas and daddies are institutions over babies too, and, and, and that's all right. That's good. Bless her heart. I'll hold her if you want me to. And this passage is talking about the institution of government, or the institution of a body of leaders. In other words, when we uh, we talk to ourselves and our family members. Uh, we are governors over ourselves. You are a governor over your body to do as you choose to do with yourself. We have governors over our family, over our family members. And we have governors over institutions and businesses, people who make rules according to that business for that business to prosper for, it to be morally acceptable by God. And it's no different in this government situation of our national government that that God has ordained that there be leaders in our government government to uphold the safety of the nation another commentator put it this way human government is a permanent institution brought into being by God for the regulation of human affairs the powers or authorities here are seen not in their individual personalities but as offices To bring this into context, uh, I saw where the NFL have started playing football again. I kind of got irritated at them last year, and I hope they start honoring our nation again because they kind of, some of them didn't like the flag and all that. I'm like, eh, just suck it up. (laughs) But in an NFL game, I digressed right there, forgive me. But in an NFL game, there is two teams that are playing. Actually, there are three offices that are held. You have one team, you have the opposing team, but you also have referees. And the referees are a team. And it's like a government. So so what happens is, is if one team transgresses the rules with the other team, this team has a penalty and they either have to replay the play again, they lose 10 yards, they lose 15 yards, or they get ejected from the game if they don't play by the rules of the game. The officials are the ones who are there to uphold the rules of the game. And whenever the officials are disrespected, that's not a good thing in a football game because that's a good way to get ejected when you disrespect the authority of the officials. Y'all still with me, right? So the officials are the ones who give and uphold the rules of the football game but they also answer to a higher authority. The executives of the umpire league, of the referee league, they're the ones that they have to answer to. And should one of those referees, if they're uh, like a Texans fan and they're refereeing a Texans game and they get to doing something stupid, then the, 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 the uh, Executives, the higher powers, will step in and say, you can't do that anymore. Everything under God has order. And without the order of God, we have man's implementation of an interpretation that they make up in their minds and reason among themselves that I want it this way. Let me tell you something. God's way is the only way any institution will work. Yeah. When our forefathers put together the Constitution of the United States, they used many, many, many biblical uh references in order to build this constitution. And I would just submit to you today that the reason that America today has been blessed by God is because of the founding fathers as they wrote the constitution. I believe that there was an anointing that God put on them because he wanted to bless America. Now, one team. There's a team. If we're playing, if we're talking in football terms, one team we, in 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 our world today. There's a team of believers, and there's a team of unbelievers. Yeah. And then the ultimate authority <laughs> is God. He is. A, he is. He's the the chief umpire and representative. We know that uh, when we have great football players here in Montgomery that that colleges come and they recruit the good football players. And then the professionals, they come and recruit them from the colleges. And generally, the better recruiters get the better players. I would submit to you that God has called you to be a recruiter. There are people out there that are lost and they want God, but they don't know that they want God. They need God, but God wants to use his church as an institution to recruit people to come into his kingdom because there's peace there because of the order that God has ordained, preordained. The problem is, is that on the other side with the unbelievers, they have recruiters as well. And I would just say to you that, in my opinion, they're doing a better job than we are. They're really good. I mean, really good. But it's time for the church to stand up. Because we have the answer to every institutional problem in the world. And his name is Jesus. Amen. I'm going to get into the love deal in a minute. <clears throat> Dr. Tony, Tony Evans said this. Since government and authority have been established by God. Government is a divine institution. The problem is that people don't want the divine institution. God is not a democrat or a Republican. He doesn't ride on the backs of donkeys and elephants, although he did ride a donkey one time. Yeah. God is not a Democrat nor a Republican. He didn't come to take sides, he came to take over, and he's going to take over. Uh, so, being subject to government authorities is not an excessive willingness to serve or please others. Submitting to government authorities is for our own good and for our own protection as long as it's under the laws of God. Uh, It's a mutual respect of submission to brothers. These are the freedoms we enjoy, uh, the mutual respect for God and his law and his appointed structure and authority. In Acts 5, chapter 29, it says, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. There are times whenever our government imposes things on us that are immoral things. And those are the times whenever we are not obligated to uh, submit to government. According to Woost, a commentator, uh, our duty to the government as Christians is to obey in all matters lawful, he continues to add, to obtain by lawful means the removal of alteration of an unjust, unreasonable law is another part of this duty. For all powers among men must be in accord with the highest power. Goes on to say, but even where Where law is hard and unreasonable, not disobedience, but reasonable protest is the duty of the Christian. So when law and numerous laws conflict with the law of God, we can and should appeal in court and in protest. And I would say at the very least, the greatest way to appeal and to protest is to vote. How can we, how can we, how can we complain and stand up against what this world has, off, has to offer if we don't even vote? Living in a culture where we have tax-funded abortions also. Conviction on sexual ethics imposed on us and morality has been severely compromised. Listen, my friend, our nation needs Jesus, the first amendment of the United States Constitution says the same, says it states, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Verse 2, it says this. It says, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist bring judgment on themselves. This verse is not talking about a spiritual judgment. It's not not like we are going to be sentenced to hell if we break the law of man. It's not what it's talking about. Our government wants... Our government wants separation of church and state. That's what they want. But then when it comes to the things that the church stands for, they interfere on the moral stands of the church. They don't practice separation of church and state. They just want it when it is on their side. So what happens is is that, is that whenever we step into government issues as a church, and we say this is immorally wrong according to the word of God, then they cry foul, and they cry. We have to have separation of church and state. Let me just say this to the government. You can't have it both ways. (laughs) They want us to stay out of their business, but they don't want us in their business. My friend, it's time for the church just to be the church. And my Bible tells me that love never fails. The problem with Christians is we don't act, some don't really act very godly. And that gives Christianity and God a bad name because we are God's representatives. And God will bring discipline to those who, just like the referees in the football game, God's going to throw the flag down and say, hey, you need to sit on the sideline for a little while. And God withholds his blessings and he withholds his word until we can get the information that it's not about us, it's about God. And when we compromise with the world, we, expect, we still expect God to bless us. But, but God is not obligated to bless us when we are contrary to his word. Amen. I got to wrap this up. Oh, this is important. Verse 3, where it says, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Rulers are not, uh, the result of civil law is a peaceful society. And the rulers that we have in in our nation are not there, should not be there to be a terror to good works, but to be a terror to those who practice evil to jump in and bring law to the lawless. That's the reason they're there. It's like when I was a chaplain at the horse racetrack, Sam Houston Race Park, did church services for them for six years before we came here. And we do devotions for the jockeys and they would randomly test the jockeys. And some of them jockeys, they would just get, oh, they just like, oh, they didn't, that's just an invasion of personal freedom. And I told him, I said, you shouldn't be afraid of testing if you don't have anything to be afraid of. That's what it's talking about right there. As long as we're living by the the law of God and the law of man and the order of government that blesses God, we should be at peace with our government and with God. nobody can disassociate themselves from government altogether. A lot of people, they're like, there's a lot of preppers around. You know what I'm saying? They're like, I'm going to be independent. You you really, I mean, it's just not really possible to be completely independent. I don't want to bust your bubble or nothing. But no man, this is another commentary here, Barclay William Barclay, he said, no man can, Entirely disassociate himself from the society in which he lives and has a part. No man can, in conscious, opt out of the nation. As part of the nation, he enjoys certain benefits which he could not have as an individual. And a lot of people they abuse the the institution, government institution, where. And I don't, I mean, how can you blame somebody for not wanting to go to work if the government will pay you more than you could make while you're working? So there are problems. There's a lot of problems. I'm not discounting that. But what I am saying is, and this is my last point. Well, maybe not quite. You know, one of the biggest lies of a preacher is as I close. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 50, verse 20. I believe that we live in such a time as Isaiah described in Isaiah 520. It says, those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for Darkness. There is a deep, dark deception in America today. But thank God we have God. So love fulfills the divine order of God. In verse 8 it says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law loving God and loving people does anybody know somebody that is really hard to love raise your hand it would be good for you we, I think we all know people who are really difficult to love but in the middle of that don't you think that there was a time when it, it might have been hard for God to love you back when you back in the day But love will keep us from uh, committing adultery. Love will keep us from committing murder. Love will keep us from coveting and stealing. Love will keep us from telling lies. Love will compel us to love our neighbor over and above ourselves. He said we can love. When it comes to love, we can love all we want, all God wants us to. So many people today, and I'm close with this, many people want... God to bless America. But not everybody wants one nation under God. The issue is that you can't have one without the other. There's something about joining together with a common cause, and I believe that it happens day in and day out in our society, some for the good and some for the bad. This past week, it was so much for the good with the youth in our our community to come together. There was a day back in the day whenever we first started the church that, that we knew that God wanted us to have an arena down there as a part of, a, we call it our fishing pond, to get people to come to church. Uh, back then, the, the, the city administration and, and the whole council didn't want our arena here in the city limits. And it's, it's it's a whole new deal, so it's not anybody that's there now. So don't 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 go there. But they didn't want us building the arena, so I heard about a law firm that would protect churches and their rights to do things. So I called them up and I said, I we I need help. We're getting jumped on here for a vision that God put in us, and and the law firm. They're like, we don't do that. I'm like. But here's what he did say. He said this, he said, one thing about politicians is that they love to have votes. And he said, people have the power over politicians. I hope somebody listened to me. Because the vote is our power. And he said, well, if it, I'm just going to give you some advice. He said, just try to get as many people to the city council meeting as you can get there. Because it'll that in and of itself will do more than I could do even if I came there. So we put the word out, and and you know how God just loves this place. Yep. It was in the old community building here in downtown Montgomery. And uh the whole building was standing room only, and it's got three windows on one side and three windows on the other side. And there was about twenty-five to fifty people in each, looking in the window on all six of them windows. <laughs> in the, in the middle of the the meeting, I mean, I was I I was just I confess, I was kind of I was really nervous. And uh, the guy, one of the councilmen said, let's postpone this till next month. Maybe it won't be so much. And the other guy goes, I don't want to do this again. Let's get... So they gave us the permit <laughs> to do the arena out of pressure. Yeah. You know? yeah. uh, my point is, is that there is a way to do things in a loving manner without Without anger. And it happens personally. It happens maritally. Kids, it happens with your relationship with your parents. Uh, There's ways to get things done in a godly way. And in our nation, the church needs to stand up. In a godly way, in a loving way. But they need to know we're here. And so my message today is love never fails. Love never fails. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. No matter who you're doing it with or who you're doing it for or who you're in opposition to. Do what you do as unto the Lord and be honoring with your communication to anybody and everybody, whether it's in your family or your business or in our nation. Let God be God in you. God in government. Yes, there is a place for God in government. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. We thank you, God, that you have a plan for every institution, for every individual. I pray, oh God, that you help us, Lord, to be uh, the people that you call us to be, that we would uh, play according to your rules. And Lord, that we would love your ways, that we would fall in love with you and fall in love with your ways, knowing that your ways are perfect. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us all, everybody here today, everybody watching online, oh God, that you would give us your heart. In every situation that we find ourselves in, in Jesus' name I pray. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Before I go, I want to ask you this question. If you've never received Christ as your personal Savior, that's the first step in making peace with God is accepting accepting him into your heart. The Bible says, Jesus said this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, I will come in and I'll be with him. God's not going to be a part of your life unless you invite him. So this morning, if you've never done that, or maybe if you haven't, you really just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Anybody, preacher, that's me. I need Jesus this morning. Yep, right here. We're going to put a Bible in your hand. Leave your hand up till we get it. Yep, back over there. Yep, thank you. Leave your hand up till we get a Bible in it. Anybody else, don't be shy and don't be ashamed. This is worth, these are eternal things we're talking about. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Oh bless your heart. Bless your heart, girl. So proud of you. Anybody else? Before we move on. If you raised your hand, I want you to look up at me. If you raise your hand. Come come up here. Let me let me pray with you. Come can I pray with you? Come on, baby. Go back in the back. Come on up and let me pray with you. I'd be honored. Do you mind? Yeah, thank you. Come on, baby. Come on. And and back here, yeah. I'm so proud of you, girls. Bless your heart. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Bless you, girl. This sermon was for you, too. Yeah, I'm so happy. Anybody else? So here's what the Bible says. It says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, because it's important about what goes on in our heart. Everything out there follows what happens in our heart. So I want to help you pray and and confess with your mouth but you have to believe in your hearts, okay? Y'all help us pray. Just repeat after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. Invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read, my Bible, I want you to read my Bible, to pray, to pray. show it for church, I love the church. get baptized. Yeah. I love you, Jesus. Love you. Teach, me love you Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Name I pray. Amen. I'm so proud of you all. Thank you so much. Hey. Listen, go visit this lady over here for just a second, these guys, if you don't mind. Man, would you mind go going to visit them with these guys for just a second? Thank you. Stand with me, please. That right there, and and someone else raised their hand, but you you prayed in your heart, begin to live for Jesus. If you you prayed that prayer and you meant it, it's okay. Just, Just live it. But that's why we do church. That's why we're here, is to help them, but also to equip you to go out. How many can do a better job representing Jesus to our government and to our nation? Can You can do a better job. Let's pray for that right now, if you don't mind. Let's raise both hands and surrender to him. Lord, we, you see our hands. We surrender to you, Lord, knowing that we need you in our hearts, in our minds, our bodies, and our souls. We surrender all to you, oh God, right now. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, Uh, if there's transformational change that needs to happen in our hearts, oh God, the Holy Spirit, that you would convict us right now. Speak into our minds what you would have us to do. Lord, we will submit to you. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you so much for the conviction that you bring to our lives. We are so grateful for that. We pray for our nation. We pray for our our leaders, our government leaders. We pray, oh God, for all of our our Texas leaders, our our governor, lieutenant governor, our, our, our congressmen. Bless them, oh God, with your word, oh God. May they uphold, convict them, Lord, in areas where they fall short and help them to uphold your word. In Jesus' name. And the church said... We love y'all. God bless you. We got a prayer team. If you need special prayer, we'd love to have you. God bless you.